You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1112 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you deep into the night on a Monday into Tuesday. And today's podcast is brought to you by the folks at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Today's podcast will deep dive into what became a 127 to 113 loss for the Hawks on the road in San Francisco against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, definitely not the finest performance from the Hawks overall, and in a broad sense, this is the fourth straight loss for Atlanta. They've lost six of their last seven. They're now one and six on the road this season, and only an ugly four and seven through 11 games. No one expected that. Even a pessimist would not have expected that. So a, a rough start to the season for the Hawks by any description, and we'll give that some context along the way on the podcast today. Um, by the way, if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Uh, we will always talk about every single game on this podcast, as well as uh, you know, nuance beyond that, and we'll go through everything on this on this show. But with some top-line thoughts here, the Hawks led this game comfortably in the first half by as many as 15 points. They were really kind of dominant. They had their best offensive first half of the season in my, in my mind, particularly when you adjust for opponents, and uh, it just didn't matter in this contest because the offense slowed down, the defense really kind of gave up and collapsed in the third quarter, and the result was a 58-26 to run for the Warriors from the middle of the second quarter to the end of the third quarter, and that obviously decided the game and swung a double-digit lead from the Hawks into a double-digit lead for the Warriors, and uh, the Hawks ended up trailing by you know 20-plus at different times in the second half of this contest. The third quarter alone, the Hawks allowed 41 points, so we'll dive into that. A, a weird result here in that the Hawks actually won, quote-unquote, three of the four quarters in a game which they lost by 14 points. Um, there's some flukishness in there. You know, the fourth quarter was a lot of garbage time, for example. Um, the Hawks were not really the better team in that quarter. But still, uh, a weird game, uh, not, not a great game for the Hawks, particularly when you take, take into account that uh, as we dive into the pregame stuff here, the Hawks were, uh, were not on the back-to-back, and the Warriors were. So now Golden State was at home on Sunday. It was an early game, so not the uh, you know not, not the worst turnaround for them without without travel. But at the same time, they technically had the rest disadvantage that Warriors did, and the Hawks had, had an advantage in that in that uh, sort of aspect. But it is worth pointing out that the Warriors are playing very very well right now. They actually entered this game at eight and one, which is the best record in the league. They had the best uh, point differential in the entire league coming into the night, which I'm sure even grew with this performance. So. It's not on the bright side if you want to try to find some positive stuff in this game. It's probably hard to do uh, hard, hard, hard to do so at this point. Golden State is probably playing better than anybody in the league right now. So it's not like an embarrassing just situation to lose to them. It's the way that they lost this game, um, having the big lead and sort of collapsing midway through the game. Uh, injury-wise, the Hawks were at full strength, other than a Kong Wu still being out in the early going. And the Warriors were basically full strength as well. They did not have Otto Porter in this game. Um, who was just a rest back-to-back rest for for him as a veteran, but he's more of a rotation guy than anything else. They're obviously still without Clay Thompson, James Wiseman, but the Warriors were also at full strength in this contest. And according to our friends at BattleLine.ag, the Hawks were about three-point underdogs on the road. I actually thought this might be higher. I know Nate Duncan weighed in on Twitter with me and said the same thing. I think maybe that the bookmakers at BetOnline, our friends there, were kind of playing into the fact that it was a back-to-back for the Warriors, not for the Hawks, but... Uh, obviously, they covered that pretty pretty comfortably. The Warriors did so. We'll get into everything that transpired here, but again, broadly speaking, a uh, a pretty strong first half, a very bad you know last 
two and a half quarters, but in particular late in the first half and the entire third quarter, really what doomed the Hawks in this game. Before we get into everything that transpired on this Monday evening, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let corporate greed pocket your money. Instead, download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, don't want, or simply forgot about. On average, people can save up to $720 a year with Truebill, and because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Your Truebill concierge is there right with you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. And Truebill is awesome for someone like me who has a ton of subscriptions across the landscape. Sports makes it so I have to keep a wide swath of information. It's really, really valuable to have Truebill to make sure that I don't get bamboozled. Truebill has over 2 million users and it's helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands per year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Attention, NBA fanatics, I have to tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, and it offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as all the bench players, that only, even if they only record a handful of minutes each and every game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of. In football, it's yardage, touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. In basketball, it's points, it's assists, it's rebounds, and much, much more. And every user that deposits and uses the promo code that we have here will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And that promo code is NBA. One more time, that promo code is NBA. You pick two to five players and an overrunner on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you against the projected numbers. Prize picks allows mixed sports entries. You can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. And that goes for Trey Young as well. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Yes, you can do all of this in under 60 seconds. Price Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out PricePicks.com and use the promo code NBA or go to the App Store right now and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Okay, we'll dive into the game itself. And the first quarter was kind of a weird one. The Actually, the Warriors opened this game up with an 8-0 run. So if all I told you was that in the final score, maybe you wouldn't be surprised. Um, Curry hit a couple of, uh, actually hit a three, and then hit another one after that. That's the first six points for the Warriors, and he actually had a huge game with 50 points on this night. But after a timeout to sort of calm things down for the Hawks, Atlanta put together a 12-2 response and took the lead at 12-10. Uh, they actually made five straight shots. Capella missed two free throws along, along the way there, but the Hawks were playing better offensively. Trey Young had it going in the early uh, in the early portion of this contest, 13 points in about eight minutes. He was he actually blew past Gary Payton II twice, and Payton uh, is not exactly a prominent player, obviously the son of uh, a Hall of Famer, but one of the best defensive guards in the entire league, and Trey was just kind of blowing by him, which I thought was pretty impressive in the early going. Uh, rotationally, one note here is that other than the normal stuff with Herter and Gallinari and Reddish, there were two changes in the rotation in this game. They actually went with Solomon Hill in place of Gorgie Jang, which I thought was probably just matchup related. You know, Gorgie has not been playing a ton recently. Um, he's basically been, like basically playing one stint. But against the Warriors, who don't really have a hulking center of any kind without James Wiseman, you know, Kavon Looney is a center by trade, to be sure, but they played Jeremiah Green at the five some. They played, you know, Bielitsa, Toscano Anderson. Um, they're a much smaller team that's based on, like, making reads and switching and that kind of stuff. And Solomon Hill 
Um, didn't play a ton in this game, but I thought if there was a game to play him, this would be the one. And I, I think I, that actually made a lot of sense to me. He, he wasn't great by any means, but it's definitely could see why they did that. And then the other big change I, that I would note is that DeLon Wright was the backup point guard in this game, which I had been kind of calling for the last several nights. Not that Wright was like a game changer in this spot, but I think he was really good in the first half and uh, notable that they changed that up. Um, still, the Hawks actually turned that early deficit into an eight-point lead in the first quarter. They actually had a 32-16 extended run. The Warriors did win the rest of the quarter after a couple of bad fouls and one that was actually at the buzzer by Reddish against Bielitsa. But the Hawks led by two at the end of the first. They shot well from the floor. Trey had 13 points. John Collins had 12 points. Um, and other than a uh, defensive mistakes giving up offensive rebounds to the Warriors, it was a pretty complete quarter and a pretty encouraging quarter. And then the Hawks took a bigger lead in the second quarter, as we, as we talked about earlier on the, on the podcast. Um, DeLon Wright had a couple of offensive rebounds, just kind of sneakily using his body to his advantage, adding some extra possessions. The Hawks had a 9-0 run early in the second quarter with Kevin Herter being hot. He made his first three shots. They seemed like they actually ran some offense intentionally through Gallinari in the post, to limited success, but they that was seems to be a pretty interesting emphasis that, that Nate had in this game with the bench unit. Uh, the first time around, and I want to stress, the first time around, the bench did a job. Um, in the second half, not so much. But the first half, uh, it was probably the best bench stint in a while for Atlanta with Wright um, doing a good job, plus Herter, uh, etc. And they did bring uh, sort of the band back together after that with Collins and Hunter coming back in. Uh, Collins actually got a technical foul for arguing a non-call, but scored twice in a row. And at one point early in this game, Collins had 16 points on seven shooting possessions. He was he was perfect from the floor. He was six of six, plus he had two threes um, and two free throws. So he was just really kind of dialed in at that point in time. But the Hawks had another run, a 10 to one push. And I circled this. They were up by a margin of 55 to 40 at the midway point of the second quarter. Um, the end of that was back-to-back threes by Bogdanovich, probably his highlight of the night. And at that point, through about 18 minutes, the Hawks were scoring about 1.5 points per possession, which is uber elite, particularly against a good defense on the road. They were really just cooking. Three turnovers, they were just playing great. Um, Collins had a quick blow from there. The Hawks, though, led by 15 points with four minutes to go in the first half. And from that point forward, everything was bad. So even if you sort of include garbage time, which I probably wouldn't, but even if you did to have the Hawks kind of climb back, quote-unquote, into the game in the final minutes when it was was already over, from that point forward, the Hawks lost the game by 29 points. So from up 15 to down 14, and it was really worse than that because the Hawks really were down by 20-plus for part of the fourth quarter. Um, At any rate, it was a 17-6 run by the Warriors to close the first half um, as soon as Steph Curry came back in, basically. The story of the night... um, you know, beyond the Hawks' angle only, is that Steph Curry was out of his mind with 50 points. But even in the first half, when the Warriors were trailing, um, I think Steph ended up being like plus nine or something in the first half. Every time he played, the Hawks had no answers, um, really at all for him. Uh, And that's not unique to the Hawks, but when he has it going like that and the way they play offense, it's just very, very difficult to stop. But um, to be positive here for a second... As I said earlier, the Hawks had their best offensive half of the entire season, I thought. A 135 offensive rating before halftime for Atlanta. Um, 51% from the floor. They, they took 23-3. That's actually a really good number for them. Shot 39% from, from three-point range. Only 14 mid-rangers in the first half. They got to the line 14 times. Five turnovers. The only thing that was not great offensively in the first half was the offensive rebounding, which was kind of a non-factor. But they shot so well, there were fewer opportunities. Trey had 21-7 and seven at the half. Collins at 18 at the half, did miss a single shot in the first half. 
um, defensively, it wasn't like good, but it wasn't a disaster until the final stretch. They lost Curry a few a few more times than you would want, and he had 24 in the first half. But defensive rebounding was better in the second quarter. I thought um, they leaned on a, I would say a seven man rotation. It was obviously they played 10 guys, but it was really Herder and Gallinari playing most of the bench minutes, uh, other than one stint. Uh, and they actually, again, as I referenced before, actually won the bench minutes in the first half. Now, uh, that was kind of the end of the positive story. So we'll fly through the second half here briefly. The Warriors tied it up pretty quickly. Uh, after a sort of a back and forth for a few minutes in the third quarter, they made their first little push. Gave up actually two free points because McDonough was, was arguing a call. I'm sure McMillan did not enjoy that. He's been kind of harping on that um, lack of concentration with referees. But that didn't cost him the game or anything. But it was one of those things that was kind of a hiccup for McDonough. Um, Hunter didn't score in the entire first half. Actually had his best stretch offensively in the third when he had back-to-back pull-up jump shots. Um, but the Warriors took their first lead. It's 15-14. to 14. And I thought transition defense was really a problem in the third quarter overall. Uh, the Warriors scored 26 points in the first eight minutes of the third. And then the offense also created at the same time. So it was definitely a two-way issue. Um, but the Hawks only uh, only scored, I think, what was it, three points? Yeah, three points at the, end of the, at the end of the quarter. They did not score a single point for about three and a half minutes to go from, you know, basically even to down by seven. And then the very end of the quarter was kind of a disaster. So... I'll describe it to you in short order. Um, there, the first bucket and the only bucket in the last five minutes for the Hawks was a King Reddish three. But from there, it was a, a three by Steph, a turnover. Uh, Curry got fouled, made both. Another empty trip. They fouled Curry again, who made both. That was the fifth foul of the game for Herter in the third quarter. And then Steph had 42 points through three quarters, which is just crazy. And then Cam got blocked on the rim, and then the Warriors had another three. So it goes from just basically a competitive game to almost out of control and the Hawks are down by 17 at the end of the third in a snap of a finger. The Hawks offensively just kind of stopped scoring. On top of the defensive issues, they were 9 of 24 from the floor, no free throws at all in the third quarter. They had five turnovers, only had three points in the final five minutes. That's just all bad, obviously. Um, it is tougher to score against a set defense, but the you know, both 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 sides were culpable in the third. And then the Warriors shot 65% from the floor in the third quarter, five threes, ten free throws. Curry at 18 by himself, and... Uh, the Warriors were up to about 130 offensive rating through three quarters. And then, you know, in the fourth, it kind of got out of control. There was one brief respite, but the league, the league grew to 21 in about two minutes. At, at one point, the Hawks had scored six points in about seven and a half minutes or so in the, in the second half. That's obviously quite bad. There was one run. It was a 7-0 run, including a three by Hunter, to get the lead down to 14 with about eight minutes to go, and I tweeted at the time, like, it wasn't over at that point. That was, like, what they had to, what they had to have happen to make any kind of run in the game was to close the gap down to that, you know, low to mid-teens range by the eight-minute mark, and they did that um, to their credit. Now, that came without Curry on the floor, and as soon as Curry get, came back in, once again, it was basically over. Um, you know, they got a dunk with about five minutes to go. Uh, the Warriors did go up by 21 again. Nate calls timeout, empties the bench with a back-to-back tomorrow, and that was kind of it. The only thing that was notable about that was that uh, the, the G League guys are still in College Park, so they were not available, so they had to kind of play their normal guys other than TLC got in, and then Jang played for the first time in the game. They did not put Lou Williams in. Uh, he kind of got the Solomon Hill treatment for the last couple of games. You know, Whenever the Hawks have sort of entered the bench this year, they haven't put Solo in. He's kind of had that old vet status where you don't want to have the guy come in ice cold, and Lou did that in, in this game. He was dressed and available to play, but by that point, you don't want to put the 35-year-old guy in for garbage time. Uh, but other than that, uh, it was an embarrassing second half in a lot of ways for the Hawks. 
Technically, they won the fourth quarter, but when the game was actually competitive, they were down by 21 with five minutes to go and then closed by winning the uh, fourth quarter, uh, sort of the last sec- last few minutes by seven points with TLC and Jing on the floor. They were actually both plus seven each, and uh, that's kind of uh, full-blown garbage time, obviously. Uh, we'll get into the takeaways, but you know that was kind of the story of the night was that that 18-minute period from you know mid-second to the end of the third was where the Hawks lost control of this one. All right, before we get to some broad takeaways from the night and a look ahead and some player observations, etc., a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is rockauto.com. Have you ever gone to a chain store looking for auto parts that fit your car? Is it maddening? Because it is for me. I know it has been in the past and it will be if I ever try that again, but frankly, I don't ever need to do that again because of rockauto.com. Rock Auto has been serving auto parts customers for 20 years at this point in time, and you could save time and money when you use Rock Auto. They have all kinds of auto parts that will fit your lifestyle, fit your preferences, and the best part is you don't have to endure the pointless questioning from someone behind the counter who's only looking to sell you the one part or one kind of part that they have in their warehouse. RockAuto.com has everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And honestly, the prices are always reliably low for every customer and they really serve the do-it-yourselfer very, very effectively. You can go explore their website right now. It's very easy to use. You can find a solution to your auto parts needs in one place. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, and the story is kind of crystal clear in this one, but I will try to give it some more nuance here at the end of the podcast. The offense, I would say, for a full game standpoint, did its job in this game. That does not mean that they were great on offense, but the numbers, if you just take them in a vacuum, were totally fine. They had about a 112 offensive rating against a good defense. That's actually more than enough to win a lot of the time. That would be a pretty good rating for this year with the scoring environment down. And, uh, you know, again, the first half was quite, quite good. I don't want to overemphasize that, but if you just took stock at halftime and asked me how the office was playing, I would have told you it was fantastic. So the overall offensive product was pretty good. Um, they actually shot the ball very well for the full game even. A 60% true shooting mark for the, for the game is uh, uber elite and uh, usually a good indicator. But everything else other than, true, other than shooting and free throw creation was bad. They only took nine shots around the rim in the entire game, according to Clean the Glass. Now, part of that is that they got to the line a decent amount, so that, that that sort of negates some of that. But still, not a lot of rim attempts, not a lot of pressure on the rim, only 30 points in the paint. That's uh, not good, obviously. That's a different metric um, altogether, but uh, the way that is tracked, but still not the most high-quality shot attempts in some respects. Um, also, three offensive rebounds for the game. Uh, that is a very, very low number for the Hawks, who are usually good on the offensive glass. Uh, we'll come back to Capella in a second, but they, they got no pressure on the offensive glass in this game. In fact, their leading offensive rebounder was DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright had two of the three offensive rebounds. That's insane. When DeLon Wright has two-thirds of the offensive rebounds, something is going wrong. Um, also, 18 turnovers. Uh, you know, Some of those were late, for sure. But the combination of lack of second chance points, second chance, even second chance opportunities on second chances, combine that with a lot of turnovers, and you're uh, you're gonna have to shoot the ball incredibly well. The Hawks, the Hawks did shoot the ball very, very, very well in this game, and lost by 14 points because of the defense and those uh, you know sort of loss of possessions that you would have there. Also, we'll come back to this too. But John Collins took one shot in the second half, and he was really good in the first half. He's been playing reality all season long. You don't love to see that uh, defensively. It was decent times in the first half. That's as nice as I'll say about the defense. Um, 
for the full game, even with garbage time, the Warriors scored about 120 points per 100 possessions. Uh, it was it was worse than that for a large portion of this game when they were playing sort of dialed in. You know, Curry is Curry. He's fantastic. But 50 points, 10 assists in 35 minutes. He was plus 31 in his minutes. That's a probably a better indication of how this game actually went. Um, whenever he played, the, the Hawks got smoked. And that was kind of what happened um, in this contest. Also, the Warriors won the glass and a turnover battle. And uh, that's tough to overcome against a team that can really shoot the ball like the Warriors can. Um, in terms of the player stuff, uh, you know, not a lot of positivity. There were a couple guys that I thought played well. You know, TLC and Jen came in late. Uh, TLC was aggressive. Good to see him playing. I think, you know, he is a rotation caliber player. I'm not saying he should be playing, but it was good to see him sort of reaffirm that. Uh, Jang obviously didn't play much. Solomon Hill did not score 13 minutes. I thought he was fine. He, minus one in his minutes. Defensively, he was communicating well. Uh, the Warriors play a scheme that is difficult to defend. And having the guy like like Hill to get them organized can be valuable. And again, the bench uh, in the first half and really when they played all together was not that bad in this game. It wasn't good, um, but you know, not not was that why they lost this contest. Um, I thought Reddish was struggling again. This is I think his fourth straight poor game in a row. Three points on one of four shooting, um, two rebounds, two turnovers, no assists. Uh, did make one three that was that again that was the only bucket of the last five minutes of the third quarter but he had a struggle on offense and defense in this contest uh herder had a really good offensive first half i thought he played well in the first half and second half he kind of lost it in the third quarter along with everybody else had a couple of bad turnovers had a couple of interesting fouls he had five fouls three quarters um did have decent numbers for the game with 11 points in 25 minutes two assists three rebounds but it was a tale of two halves for herder I thought DeLon Wright was really good in the first half. He was not as good in the second half, but I was kind of going back and forth with somebody and being funny. But uh, I thought Wright was genuinely effective in the first half. Like, he just making winning plays. You know, he just does the right thing almost all the time. Making little plays, rebounding, um, throwing good passes, playing defense. Had seven points, five rebounds, two assists, and two steals in this game. Uh, didn't didn't make a shot from the floor. We got to the line eight times. So, you know, it's good to see him back in the rotation. I mean, that's the right decision. We'll see how that's handled in the back-to-back on Tuesday night. But I thought Wright was a general positive in this game. And then, Gall- and then Gallinari really struggled. Uh, he was 107 from the floor, 0-4 from three for Gallup, minus 19. That was a that was a game worst for anyone on the Hawks roster. Four points. Did have uh, an assist, a steal, and three rebounds. But had three turnovers. And, uh, you know, they try to run some offense through him, which I think is what you kind of need to do with Gallup if he's on the floor because you need his offense to, because defensively, it's been uh, even worse than usual lately for Gallo. It's been really a struggle. But here's the thing about Gallinari right now. The last three games, uh, I believe he is, yeah, he's 5 of 19 from the floor combined. Or 5 of 17, sorry. 5 of 17 from the floor in the last three games combined. He has some pretty nice moments against Phoenix. But um, when he's not making shots, it is really, really hard to withstand what he's going to give you back defensively. You know, I thought he was pretty bad defensively in the Phoenix game. He was probably as bad or worse in this game with less offense. So, you know, Gallo, you still have to play him and all that stuff, but the matchup stuff gets really tricky if he's not cooking on offense and he's not had it so far this season. Um, speaking of that, Clint Capella uh, was bad in this game. Capella had two points, six rebounds, did have two assists and a block, uh, minus five, 23 minutes, which I thought was notable. Uh, he did not play very much. One of five from the floor, O of two from the free throw line. Uh, this is where I pass along a quote that he actually gave to Chris Kirchner uh, earlier, I think it was over the weekend. I'm going to read part of this to you that he told Chris uh, about his Achilles. And he said, quote, I'm still treating it every day, end quote. And then beyond that, he said, I'm trying to manage it as best as I can. I'm trying to get back to where I was last year. I'm getting there. It's going to take time. It's still earlier in the season. It's going to take more games, etc." So uh, I'm not sure how much that has to do with it. But it is worth noting that he might still not be 100% with the Achilles. 
And last year, again, I'm breaking record on this, but he was not himself early last year as well, which is easy to forget because of how good he was after that. But Capella has to find it because right now it is tough. Uh, they need him, you know, beyond the fact that they gave him an extension this offseason, which already, uh, I'm not trying to worry about that just yet, but uh, it is notable that they gave him an extension that they didn't have to give him in the offseason, and now he's struggling this much. Um, is he just a terrible player now? I'm definitely going to say no to that, but this is it's a bad matchup for him in a lot of ways against the Warriors. That's worth noting too, but he was a, a big negative, I thought, in this contest, and then offensively just kind of a struggle the entire season so far. Um, elsewhere, I thought DeAndre Hunter was not particularly good in this game. He didn't score in the first half, did have a better second half offensively, but really it was shot-making. He still had no assists. Um, you know, a lot of attention has been paid to Cam's shot diet versus passing. I think Hunter is uh, not quite at that level, but Hunter has not been looking to pass much either. I think his uh, shot profile, he's not shooting as much as Cam was early in the season when we got more attention, but Hunter is certainly not, um, you know, swinging the ball when necessary all the time. He's not making the uh, the most natural reads, and that was one of the concerns with him coming out of college was that he wasn't this natural playmaker. Um, the shooting has been fine. You know, his three-point shooting has been fine all season long. It's like 40% right now, which you'll, which you'll definitely take, but his two-point shooting is down from last year. His playmaking is down. Um, defensively, he's been okay, but he lost Curry a bunch in this game. Obviously, that's an impossible task for anybody, but I don't, I don't think Hunter played very well in this game. And it's a, I'm not saying I'm concerned, but he has not been the same guy that he was early in the season last year when he had that breakout for that 20-game sample. So, worth circling, coming back to on that front. Um, Bogdanovich, it was highs and lows. He shot the ball well. Um, 7 of 14 from the floor, 3 of 8 from 3. I thought he was kind of bad at everything else. I think defensively it was uh, not good for Bogey. He's one of the culprits that's been uh, kind of getting lost in the refereeing at, at times. There was one, he was sort of the one poster boy tonight where he was arguing call and uh, gave up two points as a result. But um, it's been up and down. I think the offense, though, like him shooting a bunch is fine with me. He needs to get shots up, but um, not exactly his best defensive game. Let's just say that for now. And then Collins and Young... We're good. I mean, especially in the first half, those two guys can be devastating. You know, that's probably the best pick and roll combination in the entire league. They showed it in the first half. Um, I thought Collins was excellent in the first half. He was still pretty – he was fine in the second half. Um, 19 points, 6 rebounds, 31 minutes. Took 7 shots from the floor. That's just not enough. Uh, I know I say it all the time, but uh, I'd like to see him get a little bit more design stuff thrown his way. Uh, you know, defensively, it's probably not his best game of the season. But even then, he did his job for the most part and rebounded well on defensive glass. He led the team in defensive rebounding, etc. So uh, Collins has been great. You know, I've said this before, but he's been playing on an all-star level. And it's not like I don't I don't say that flippantly. I think if I were to vote on the 12 best players so far in the East this year, I think Collins would have a pretty solid argument for that. I'm not sure he'd get in because of the lack of like just raw counting stats, but I think he's been playing incredibly well. Um, at the same time, uh, it was not, you know, he, 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 he can't do it alone, basically. Um, I thought Trey was awesome in the first half. Uh, less so in the second half. He had 21 and 7 in the first half, ended up with 28 and 9. Um, the numbers look fine 11 20 from the floor, 4 of 8 from 3. So uh, it was good to see him make some uh, make some strides as a shooter because his efficiency has been a little bit down this year. It was popped up in this game. Um, you know, defensively, it was not good. Uh, and then the second half, he kind of didn't have the same mojo. But you can see the upside in the first half of what the Hawks are cooking when they had their pick and roll going with, with Young and Collins and flowing around that. So that's encouraging. If you want to find one piece of encouragement from this game, watch the first half offense because it really was, that's what the Hawks are supposed to look like, quote unquote. It won't always be that good because they were truly cooking in the first half. 
But if you want to watch what this, what it's supposed to be and what it's been at times with Trey leading the way, that's that first half. So circle that if you want to go back and try to find something positive from this night. Um, before we get out of here, a quick update on the G League guys. Um, they, uh, by the way, when I say that, I'm talking about Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper, and Skylar Mays. Obviously, Cooper and Mays on two-way contracts. Johnson has been assigned to the G League. Um, the College Park team does not play again until next Friday, the 19th. So a little bit of a, of a break in the action. I'm not sure if the Hawks were going to play and send those guys out to the West Coast because they were not in San Francisco tonight or they would have played. Um, but they played two games over the weekend. Um, interesting stuff. You know, Cooper actually averaged 19 points a game. Efficiency-wise, was kind of a struggle, though. Johnson averaged double-double. Mays 15 points a game in those two games. Wasn't very efficient. Sunday's game, without going crazy deep into it, and I'm not going to do too much analysis on the G League guys right now, um, Sunday's game was completely insane. Um, the Skyhawks scored 72 points in the first half on Sunday afternoon. Shot the ball incredibly well. Jalen Johnson had 21 points and 9 rebounds in the first half on Sunday in the G League. And in the second half, after scoring 72 points in the first half, the Skyhawks scored 26 points <laughs> after halftime. So uh, night and day there. I will not claim to have watched all of that game. I watched some bits and pieces. Try to watch some of Jalen Johnson more than anything. And Sharif. But uh, they shot 9 of 40 from the floor after halftime. So I'm not sure what the heck happened in the second half of that game. But Jalen did actually did not score. After 21 and 9 in the first half, didn't score in the second half. And Sharif is 1 of 10 from the floor. So the G League is a weird place in a lot of ways. But uh, I'm not sure if the team will fly them out to meet them. But either way, I expect them to be, at least when the Hawks come back home um, over the weekend and then into next week, I would, I would guess they probably would make an appearance back on the Hawks roster because they, uh, the G League is not playing until next Friday. All right, with all that said, the Hawks have, as I've said a couple times on the podcast the last week or so, a fairly impossible schedule spot on Tuesday. It's a back-to-back for the Hawks, and they are in Salt Lake City to play the Jazz. Now, the Jazz did not play tonight, so advantage them on that. Uh, it's a 9 o'clock start Eastern time, which is good for viewing on the East Coast, but it's bad for the turnaround. So the Hawks have a back-to-back. It's an hour earlier. They have to change time zones to go from, from Pacific to Mountain. The Jazz, again, have the rest advantage. There's also altitude in Salt Lake City. It's one of the two places along with Denver where it's like notably difficult to play because of the altitude and all that stuff is an advantage for them. They're always awesome at home. And also, Utah is just really good. And the Hawks just lost to the Jazz last week without Donovan Mitchell in Atlanta. And this time, at least as of now, it's projected that Mitchell will play in the game tomorrow and it's in Salt Lake City. So I don't mean to like be you know over the top about it, but I, I do think, as I said last night, I think it's pretty much the worst possible schedule spot in the entire NBA. It's a back-to-back in Salt Lake City with travel when they don't have travel, they're healthy, all that stuff. So the Hawks could surprise. They could play great. They could play like they did in the first half tonight and pull off a win. But the Hawks will be a solid underdog on paper on Tuesday night. And given that they're already at 4-7 and seven on the season, uh, that might not feel great. So I can already see the panic now. I saw lots of uh, angry Hawks fans that were up late tonight during the game. I don't blame you. It was a frustrating performance in a lot of ways for the Hawks. I would stress that it's still early. This is still a talented team. This is still a deep team. This is a bad schedule spot right now for the Hawks. All that stuff. So the sky's not falling in my mind. Are they playing well? No. Um, is it not great that they're four and seven right now? No, it's not. Because especially when you probably needed to have, you know, you probably have to have 50 wins to get a top four seed in the East this year. It's a tough start for that, but it's a long way to go. You know, last season, I would just remind you that the Hawks were 14 and 20. So things can change in a hurry, but uh, it's not going great right now. And then uh, I would just stress that, you know, expectations for Tuesday night, I would not expect a win. Can the Hawks win? Absolutely. But 
Would I project that? Probably not. So just circle that. And then they actually have two days off after that before they see the Nuggets on Friday. A small note before we get out of here. Nikola Jokic got ejected tonight. There's a chance he's suspended for Friday night's game. Uh, I don't know how it's, how it's going to play. We'll talk about that maybe tomorrow night on the show. But regardless, the Hawks are 4-7. and seven, A frustrating night at the office to go from up 15 to uh, down 20-plus in the second half. And uh, hopefully that covers the gamut. And I'm rambling late into the night here on this Tuesday morning now as I'm recording the podcast. All right, thank you for listening, everybody. I really, really appreciate all the support on the show. Please take a second if you know a Hawks fan in your life that has not already listened to the podcast or hasn't yet found it. Please share it with them via Twitter or via the podcast platform of your choice, or whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. I really appreciate getting the word out on the show, and that does me a, a whole lot of good if you do that. And I really thank you for that. Also, support our sponsors on the podcast. Follow me at BT Roland. Follow the show at Locked On Hawks, and we'll see you after the game on Tuesday evening.